Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast. Excited to have our guest today in Kevin Jensel, um, president of B2B Marketing Solutions and CRO at Gannett USA Today. I'm excited to talk about his journey, his career path, and also kind of some insights and advice around um, the digital ad world. And we'll get into it. But Kevin, um, we have a little bit in common. We were talking about kind of the University of Florida, and, and that's where you started. Um, I've been fortunate enough to teach there a little bit, but just talk about your kind of, when you were at Florida, did you, you know, rewind, right? Like, did you ever think you'd be where you are today? Not in a second, (laughs) did I? You know, it's interesting you mentioned that, Jake. I'm very passionate about the University of Florida, and I was an English literature major in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences there. And and what I have learned throughout my career is the skills that you develop in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, speaking, communicating, reading, writing, are so fundamental, so foundational to success in a variety of career paths. And I'm actually working with the university right now on helping to explore that further so that students can recognize these skills so that they get more clarity into the career path that they can take out of the university. There's actually a program there called Beyond 120. Obviously, it takes 120 credits to graduate from university. And so what happens after that with these students is is so important, and they can bring so much to the world, specifically, in my opinion, of media, advertising, um, and the digital ecosystem. Yeah, I want to hit on that real quick because everyone thinks about the experiences like, what do I have to get on my resume? Right. Like, and yes, that's certainly part of it um, because it allows you to tell a story. But to the skills point that you made, what are some of the skills that maybe people aren't thinking about right now that, hey, this will really help you out down the road if you just focus on it a little bit every week, every month, et cetera? So I grew up uh, the son of two professors. And to, to make straight A's in the Gensel household growing up, you did not receive a, a gift for that. You did not receive a bicycle. You received a, well, you just received the reward of excellence <laughs> and of accomplishment. And, and that always stuck with me. And as I started to build my career in sales uh, in, in the early and mid 90s, there tended to be a bit of a negative perception, including sometimes from my own parents, around what I felt even at that time was a true art form, the art of selling. And I think part of what the the College of Arts and Sciences prepared in me was that ability to speak and share complicated ideas in a way that could get other people to understand them and ultimately buy in. And now I would argue that sales, and I'm doing air quotes right now, is is fundamental to career path success, including at the executive level. Um, One constant in your career is that you're going to have to be able to get buy-in and collaboration and partnership often in the midst of conflict and tension. And I can't stress enough that ability to be able to communicate, whether that's reading, writing, speaking, 
listening, uh, all of those things um, can be practiced. They can be developed. They can be intentional. They can be worked on. And I can't stress the importance of, of that set of skills enough. Yeah, you mentioned the word intentional. I think that's interesting one because kind of with every move that you make throughout your career too, there's there's truly intention behind it, but also intention of, you know, you're kind of always thinking about, okay, what is this one going to set me up for, right? And so as you think about some of your different stops and then Forbes and Washington Post and Yahoo and, and now where you're at today, like, were you thinking about, did you have that intention? And, you know, now that you are, are where you sit today, like what's the intention from a day-to-day -day perspective that you maybe have or try and focus on at the executive level? So my first job, uh, I guess, in, in, into my career path coming out of the University of Florida, actually during summers, I waited tables, I delivered pizza, I worked at music stores, bookstores, everything I could do ultimately to fund the future, if you will. I didn't know what that future was, but I knew it was gonna need funding. And I moved to New York City in January of 1993 and started in the circulation department at Scientific American Magazine. I really did not know what circulation meant and I wasn't uh, deeply knowledgeable about Scientific American, but it sounded great, perfect, New York City. And I will tell you, Jake, early on in my experience in the circulation department, I started gravitating towards the offices of the sales team. I'll never forget the morning when I overheard two salespeople coming in and talking about taking clients to the Yankees game the night before. And I said, wait a minute, you went to the Yankees game for work? How do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think I have found my calling. And, and all kidding aside, um, that set me on the track into a career um, in advertising and sales and leadership. And so I became very intentional on finding mentors, people I could learn from, people who would allow me into their knowledge base, into their connections of introductions, um, into fine tuning, moves in your selling um, acumen in your skill set development and that's been intentional for me throughout my entire career i very intentionally do not try to be the smartest person ever i'm not full stop but i find if you allow yourself to just slow down and observe and to listen and to understand the mechanics of, of what someone's willing to share with you it's just, it just allows you to expand, expand your foundation that continuously sets you up for more success into the future, whatever success looks like for you. Yeah, I think success is, is different for everybody, right? Especially sure. with their background, where they come from, you know, what their goals are, and then ultimately, you know, sometimes even what they stumble into, right? And, um, you Absolutely. know, when, when you talk about the advertising world, like, that's no small world. Uh, it might even be bigger than the one that we live on, right? Like I think there's there's so much out there and um, there are so many different platforms in which people are tuned into, um, you know, how they're consuming content. Content is changing, right? Like how you, you know, <clears throat> the days of getting the paper, they're still there, but 
you know, the, the digital paper on the iPad is a little bit more of that, you know, frequency now. And so as you think about where content is moving, because at the end of the day, that's, that's what's driving people to a source, right? Is the content. What's the story? What are they trying to learn about? What are they being intentional and in, in involving themselves with their day? Um, talk a little bit about what you've learned so far over your career in terms of how content is moving. And it's, you know, probably changing by the time we're done with this episode, right? Well, you asked a very important and fundamental question. And when I track back on my career path, starting at Scientific American and graduating into sales there, I then moved to Forbes in 1999, as I believe the youngest salesperson to have joined Forbes and built my career at Forbes to become the first chief revenue officer in its history there. And then um, going to become the chief revenue officer of the Washington Post, um, heading up ad sales at Yahoo, but then importantly, um, which I feel like is the biggest stage of my career and everything is built to where I am today. And that is being the chief revenue officer at Gannett we obviously are the publisher of USA Today, but also 260 local market brands is what I choose to refer to them as, but newspapers and, and media uh, businesses. One of them is the Pensacola News Chart, where I grew up. And I used to wait in my driveway growing up for the newspaper to be delivered so I could own the sports section uh, for the morning. That was a very competitive situation with my brother and my father who would own that sports section. And I still have clippings, maybe some of the listeners do too, of your little league or high school athletic prowess, which is probably the pinnacle of my athletic prowess, uh, being reported on. And, and, and that feeling of being covered by a local sports reporter, my gosh, it's fundamental to the, to the life stages of so many people across this country, community by community. That, that feeling of pride you have when your little league or prep school prowess is reported upon and your parents are proud of you and your grandparents are proud of you. And it's this intergenerational through line because of that reporting. Oh my gosh, it gives me chills to think about that. And that has stuck with me uh, my entire life. And I'll never forget sitting um, and, and talking to a couple of executives about this opportunity at Gannett. And that was a part of the narrative I shared, and I believe it. And so as I look back on my career path, to me, it's so important to help these mission-critical legacy media brands that stand for so much, whether it's Scientific American or Forbes or the Washington Post or USA Today and all of our local media businesses, and helping to solve for the digital transformation of the future is hard, but absolutely necessary. If you think about Gannett, we employ thousands of journalists across the country. We're the ones reporting on high school sports. We're the ones reporting on local school boards, elected officials, new restaurants opening, citizens in the community who are starting philanthropies. We're the ones that really are pulling together the fabric of this country community by community, and figuring out how we build that business and grow that business out of the print legacy and into the digital, the video, the podcasting, uh, the newsletters, 
augmented reality, virtual reality future is super exciting. It can be hard. It is hard. There's no doubt about that. But it's so important um, that the citizens of this country and the world, but in our case, this country, have fact-checked, edited journalism that is in their social feed and that they're able to get at the truth of what's occurring in their community or across the country is just so important. Well, and I think you hit on an important piece there too with the community and kind of what's happening around them because, you know, in the world of sports, that's a large part of what a franchise, what an organization does for the community. They play a role as a staple of, um, you know, positive change, positive impact, right? And being able to uh, showcase the high school athletes at a game or, bring in, you know, the armed forces for military appreciation, something different um, in a different landscape and in a way to tell a story, which is ultimately what all of the local journalists are trying to do too, right? They're trying to pull in the stories that uh, resonate with people and that then, you know, maybe get someone interested in a community or philanthropic, you know, initiative. And so as you think about how that's evolving at the ground floor, it's important to not lose sight of what's happening at the ground level, right? As opposed to just seeing kind of everything from the top. So as you think about, you know, your day-to-day and and it's easy to look at numbers and spreadsheets and and all of that, right? But like to truly have a pulse on what's going on, you know, at the ground level, how do you go about that? Yeah, I, there, there is this, um, there's this thought process that I disagree with and that that is a person doesn't scale. Okay, I, I understand what that means in some ways, but for a job like mine, you have to be able to scale. And it used to be pre-COVID 20 months ago that uh, leaders in the B2B organization, by the way, that means we lead all of the advertising and marketing solutions efforts with SMBs and national brands across the country for all of our local market properties, as well as for USA Today. And sports is a big part of that, which we can talk about in a bit. Uh, But we have 260 local sales teams essentially across the country. And so over COVID, leaders uh, of the B2B organization and I committed to having morning standups with teams across the country every single day so that we could be present with them, we could listen, we could understand what our clients were going through. So whether that was a team in Nashville or a team in El Paso or a team in Naples, Florida or Indianapolis or Detroit, uh, Kitsap, Washington, Worcester, Massachusetts, I can keep going for a long time, I'll stop, Louisville, um, that we would be very close to the heartbeat of our company, our employees, but also our clients. So one of the things that we learned is that our sales teams and our service teams were trusted advisor, psychiatrist, friend, mentor, and marketing partner to businesses across the country. Imagine what local businesses and SMBs, you don't have to imagine, you know, but imagine as we were starting to enter into COVID, it became immediately clear that they, SMBs, were going to be facing this in a really hard way. And so, you know, our sellers just swarming that with businesses, helping them stabilize, helping them 
pivot their marketing messages, helping them reopen when it was safe, helping them start to rehire and get back on their own path to success was so important, right? Because these businesses are what make each community unique. They're so special. And that we view that as a mission of ours to help local businesses and SMBs, as well as national brands, um, prosper and succeed. Another narrative that we found throughout the COVID period that is continuing is that national brands want to reach our local readers, our local audiences in that content that they find so engaging because of just what we talked about. When you're reading about your friend or a child being celebrated for their high school sports prowess, I mean, you are, that is the epitome of engage. I mean, you couldn't be more engaged with that content. Um, and anyway, so, so national brands, I think with the election, with civil unrest occurring, um, and, and with this pandemic that was global in nature, but hyper-local in its experience, um, all drove a huge amount of news, sports, and um, overarching content consumption with our brands. And what we're seeing coming out of that now is sports, more and more growth and engagement with our sports content, more and more readers deciding to create a financial partnership with us to pay for sports content. We just launched a brand new sports product, Sports Plus, because there is so much demand for our sports reporting. And on the sports reporting front, I mean, when you think about not only how college athletics is growing from an NIL perspective, but also then trickling down and kind of that larger effect to high school athletics, even into the club sports space. You know, you think about um, Arizona and, and this legacy sports initiative with building out this massive facility and all these tournaments, right? Like that's going to end up being you know, probably something that's replicated right across the country to some extent. And there's just more and more stories out of there. As you think about how do you keep the reader or the, the client or the customer engaged? Um, what's the focus? And then how do you integrate? Look, at the end of the day, it's about revenue, right? It's in your title. Um, you know, how do you keep someone engaged while still integrating a national brand, a local brand, a small business, whoever it might be, so that it's natural and it's not super in your face and um, you know, people don't get turned off by it in a sense. Well, I, I would start to the first part of your question as the Arizona Republic is one of our marquee brands and it's a state that um, we have a great presence in from a reporting and business perspective, but local is our superpower. So we're the ones again with reporters in community by community across the country telling the story of sports from that local perspective. Now, it's complemented by USA Today, our national reporting, Bob Nightingale, Jared Bell, um, Christine Brennan, Nancy Armour, our fabulous, uh, just, just a handful, but some of our fabulous sports reporters at USA Today. But it's complemented by our local reporting. Um, we have an incredible journalist who recently joined us, Cassidy Hill, in Green Bay, right? So we're in the Green Bay Post-Gazette, which legend has it, was one of the founding owners of the Green Bay Packers. Pretty amazing. And going to Lambeau Field, I don't know if you've ever had that opportunity. I, I have been once. It was a bucket list, of course. 
it is just amazing. I mean, it really is one of those, you think you have, if you have not been, you probably have a perception of what that experience is like, it's better. <laughs> but having, having um, our, our, our great sports reporting team there, you know, throughout, for instance, just this local, this um, recent news cycle with the quarterback uh, in Green Bay has been fascinating, but we're just there covering them 365 days a year. It's not just during football season. So we get to know these athletes um, intimately. When I was growing up in high school, uh, one of my classmates was Roy Jones Jr., the boxer, I imagine. I often joke with my wife, hey, was the toughest guy in your high school? Was he a pretty good fighter? I bet mine could win that fight <laughs> anyway so but Roy was somebody who the Pensacola News Journal had been covering his entire life right I mean so his journey to the Olympics ultimately and then into his professional career was chronicled by the Pensacola News Journal his entire life that's just a personal example but we're doing that in hundreds of locations across the country and I just think that's very exciting and it's really interesting too when we peg into an Olympics year so many of the athletes are our hometown heroes. And it's just really a powerful reflection of, you know, we're bringing these athletes to life and we're giving them exposure even before they hit that Olympic stage. Well, so that's a big differentiator for us, Jim. Yeah, no, that's a great point because regardless of whether they're an Olympian, whether it's even just the high school athlete going to play in college or the college athlete making it to the pros, like everybody has a hometown. Yeah, right? exactly. And now, there are some that are more, you know, manufacturers than others, but uh, still, it's always, you know, a hometown story of where did this, where did this athlete, you know, come from and what makes them who they are, right? There's always a background and a story to it. So as you think about, so we kind of head towards the home stretch of this, um, where is the digital, you know, advertising world going you know, obviously there's been a lot learned in the last, we'll call it 18 to 24 months, um, but where do you see it going and, and what's, what are you trying to stay ahead of the curve on? Well, so with Google and Chrome browser publicly stating they're going to be deprecating third-party cookies, meaning they're going to be focused more and more on user privacy, which sounds jargony, but what that means is publishers have the opportunity to be able to develop first party data around audience segments that can define and differentiate its offering to businesses and brands from other publishers and everyone becomes less reliant on third party data. So for us at Gannett and with, this, with a particular emphasis on the sports side, for instance, when we are compelling readers in Indianapolis to consume content around the Pacers or around the Colts or around IU basketball, for instance. I mean, that to us is just a local experience that is super relevant and it's differentiated from other sports entities in the space. And if you take that across the entire country, we think we're gonna be able to build out in the sports vertical audience segments that brands and businesses can't reach elsewhere, or we can do it better and in a more refined fashion. So we're trying to get ahead of that. Uh, and, and we're working with our engineering teams, our data and product teams, marketing to, to build that out this year so that we're really prepared by Q4 of 2022 and into 2023 
um, with what we think will be an industry leading ability for those businesses and brands that want to target sports enthusiasts to do it in a way that is impactful. Yeah, and, and it's ultimately doing that through the content, right? So while keeping intact kind of the integrity and, and, and just the, the talent that you have at that local level, as you were talking about, um, how do you continue to make sure that you're at you know the highest level there as well, right? Because that's when it's going to keep people coming back. What's well, the talent is everything. I mean, talent on the journalism side, talent in sales and services, talent in products and engineering. It, it's all so important to the continued growth of Gannett in our business. So I'd say on the one hand, we have the retention piece. How do we keep our talent leaning in, engaged, wanting to continue to build their career with us? And on the other side, it's all part of the talent life cycle. How are we compelling talent from competitors uh, or from other industries, quite frankly, to come to us, to help us build out the future? And it's a hearts and minds mission. And it tracks back to, I think, m- much of our discussion today, Jake. If, 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 if someone who's considering us believes that it's important to have journalists and journalism across this country telling the stories of all of America, a company that represents the diversity of the country, a company that is celebrating sports in local to national ways that others aren't doing it. Hopefully that's a compelling narrative and a compelling story that we can tell. And and we are finding it's working, it's resonating. Um, We're having talent come to us and join us from startups, we're having talent come to us and joining us from the gaming industry, um, from other parts of the digital ad tech ecosystem. And it's very exciting because our future and our growth and our success is based on our ability to retain and attract great talent, no doubt. Sports is just a small part of what you do, right? But at the end of the day, if someone wants to get into the industry, like there's a, there's a rep, there's a, there's a, a, a way and there's a, an avenue to be able to get experience in that field, even though, you know, your organi- organization doesn't scream, we're a team, we're a league, we're, a, you know, whatever, right? Like, how do you, what advice and insights do you have for those who get integrated into your world, whether it's, as you were mentioning at the very beginning of this, right? Sales, communication, journalism, like there's so many experiences and skills that you can gain just from experiences under your umbrella that then if they wanted to go out and do something different, they could. Um, but there's also many verticals within your, your guys's organization they can continue to grow in. And locations with us, Jake. I mean, imagine. Right. I mean, we, we, we're in, we own the Gainesville Sun. We own the Austin Statesman. We own the Nashville Tennessean. And I think that creates a lot of uh, opportunity for work-life flexibility, for experiences to your point in a company that has an events business, by the way. Our high school sports events are just such a marquee part of the experiences we provide for our communities and businesses that wanna support sports. Um, But whether, again, it's, it's, it's someone who wants to experience us in an internship, and, and, and that person may not know yet in their career, do they want to be in communications? Do they want to be in journalism? Do they want to be in sales? Do they want to be in marketing or product? They might even not have a framework of what product is yet, but they soon will. And they're experiencing product every day. And they know what product is probably better than, than many very experienced people know what product is. So I think we, we, we um, 
have an internship program, which is a great gateway for experiences like that. We're constantly looking for talent in hundreds of locations across the country. I think Annette actually is a powerful conduit to um, someone who's choosing, whether that's a young person or somebody who is in a different career path, to come in and get experience in sports, but also across other verticals and different potential career paths. Well, and the one thing it probably exposes them to is also a different world outside of sports as well, which is just as beneficial to learn and to understand how do other businesses go about you know, their, their journeys, how, like, what is, what is the advertising space look like? What does tech look like? Right. And there's so many different worlds, um, that you can get exposed to sports is just a small microcosm within, you know, the larger macro, uh, economy. So, um, Kevin, any last thoughts as we wrap up? I'm tempted to ask listeners to LinkedIn with me (laughs) so that they can understand where there might be career opportunities for, for them. Um, no, Jake, I just, I deeply appreciate the conversation. Um, I thank you very much for it and go Gators. Go Gators. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate the time and the life in the front office podcast and certainly looking forward to kind of what's to come, as you mentioned, uh, with the rollout of, of, you know, the larger kind of sports property and um, seeing where that goes. Absolutely. Thank you.